Welcome to a Heritage Christian Centre podcast. For more information, visit www.heritagecc.com.au. We hope this message blesses your life. Part two of spiritual series. Uh, and I want to, I'm journeying on this because Pentecost Sunday is coming up in, a, in about a month's time. And I want to journey with, with a focus on the Spirit. A couple of things will also get involved, interfere with that. We've got Al Fury coming. We've got Mother's Day coming. We live in the land of the long weekend. That was last weekend and this weekend. And, and there's so much happening. But I, I want to continue talking about the Holy Spirit. Because I think there's an essential level life of the church. And, and we looked at John 14, uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. And Jesus said, I'm going to go, but I, if I don't go, he says, you know, there's going to be an issue. He says, I'm not going to leave you orphans in verse 18 of John 14. And uh, he's going to send the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And so we saw two weeks ago the necessity of the Holy Spirit in believers' lives if we're going to live the victorious life we're called to. Galatians 5.16, Paul says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfil the lust of the flesh. So a byproduct of walking in the Spirit is that we don't live in the flesh. So there is a benefit to walking in the Spirit. And from John 15 right to the end, Jesus is, is having a lengthy discussion with His disciples and a lot of the focus and all of it relates to the Holy Spirit in the journey. And most of it has this direct connection, but the inference is always there. And so Jesus is talking about how the Holy Spirit is going to work, what's happening in His life, what's going to happen in their life. And Jesus talks about this journey of the future and the Holy Spirit. And He speaks from this position of victory and He hasn't even gone to the cross yet. He hasn't yet paid the price. He hasn't yet faced the torment of that time. And yet he speaks from the position of victory because he has the Holy Spirit in him. He has an assurance and the power that, that, that we need and he needed to go through the journey that he faced. It's a precursor to what is available to us now when we face any situation in life. Do we see it from the position of already won? already having won the battle. And, and whether, we, whether the natural sense we seem to win or not, that's not the point. Jesus going to the cross, cries it's finished, and he, he's a victor in that process, not a victim. And then in, in John 16, he says this in verse seven, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come but if I depart, I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit after I depart. Now, most of us would understand that that's later. But in John 20, Jesus does something that I think is amazing. And this is before he departs. And I believe it's the beginning of the function of this new covenant that Jesus spoke of when he said, you must be born again. In John 20, 22, Jesus talking to his disciples, it says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, so now we have a, a sort of a conflict because he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit when I depart. But he hasn't yet departed. And yet he breathes on them to receive the Holy Spirit and then tells them later to wait in Jerusalem until they get filled. So we have these, these two events that are happening 
these two different encounters or experiences involving the Holy Spirit in the believer's lives. Now, if that was the only place it was mentioned, uh, I would, it'd be wrong theology, but it's not. Listen to these verses. In Acts 19, Paul's heads off to Corinth. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, uh, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples... He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So is it possible to be a believer and not be filled with the Holy Spirit? And obviously from this passage, it seems so. Paul found believers, people who were born again of the Spirit of God, who had, like the disciples in John 20, not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit, but had been born of the Spirit. Let's go on Acts 16. How does someone get born again? It says, they said this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So, so salvation comes by being born again. That's by being believing on Jesus. John 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart one believes to righteousness, with the mouth confession is made to salvation. Romans 10, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In John 3, this is a passage Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that light comes into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. John 3 is where Jesus talks about being born again. So people are born again by the Spirit of God when they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That, 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 that's all, all those passages say that. The only condition of being a believer is being born again of the Spirit. It's believing on Jesus. And all those passages we've just read confirm it. It's not Jesus and works. It's not Jesus and water baptism. It's not Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. It's Jesus Believing in Jesus, believing in its fullness, not just a, a, an ascent in the brain. It's a, it's a full belief where we place our life and our trust in Him. Now, don't get me wrong. All those other things are important. You know, working out our salvation, getting water baptised, being filled with the Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues, they're all important, but it's not how some person gets born again. They get born again of the Spirit by believing So these two aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit are in the lives of New Testament believers, being born of the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. So today I want to look at some aspects of the purpose of being born of the Spirit and the progress and then continue over the weeks that we do talking more and more about the working of the Spirit, both being born of the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. Now, in John 3, 18, we just read 18, 19, says, he who believes in him is not condemned. Well, that's wonderful. But it goes on, he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Yeah, now that's a pretty simple passage, but it's so true. People who don't want Jesus don't want to live as he desires. They love living without him in their lives and they're happy continuing the way they are. And it's not unusual, it's just a reality of life. If you like your life the way it is, why would you choose to change? Come on, we all know that there is this resistance to change and unless the pain of where I am is greater than the pain of change, I probably won't change. And so most people don't have enough other pain to be moved enough to change their life. See, the Bible tells me there's pleasure in sin for a season. It doesn't tell me how long that season lasts. So you remember this, sin at its beginning is just living without Jesus as Lord. It's not necessarily wickedness as we would call it wickedness. It's living without Jesus as Lord. And for someone who's enjoying their life right now, without any concept or contemplation or thought about what happens afterwards, they're living in the now and only now with no thought of consequences. They like their life and are not gonna change. Usually something has to happen that creates a pain so great that they're willing to pay the price to change before they turn. And they don't always turn to the Lord, they turn to something to change where they are. Hopefully, Believers are there near that person, have built some kind of friendship or relationship that they might turn to Jesus. The challenge of we, that we face and the pain is also there for people who turn their back on God or get lukewarm or walk away. The, the, the perseverance and endurance required to keep on the journey, for some people it's too much and they just say it's easy to go back and live in the world. And they forget there's a price. See, sin always eventually has a price that must be paid. If we don't accept Jesus and the fact that He paid the price on the cross for us, then we have to pay the price. And there's an old song that said, I had a debt I could not pay. That's the reality. Sin, the debt of sin is something we cannot pay. No amount of good works will make up for the fact that we've rejected God. And so it's not by works, it's by faith. Romans 6.23, many of us would know it, says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God in His love has provided everything we need. The challenge is gonna be up to us. Will we accept it? Will we receive it? Will we be born again? Now, this, this born again thing is it, it, so powerful. It's not a religious word. It's a word Jesus taught. He, he started the journey. That's where it comes from. So being born again is the beginning point. It's the seed of our faith. It's called new birth. And like all births, it's the beginning point from which life develops and grows. I actually think conception is the first point of birth. And then we journey through stages of life in the womb, out of the womb. So this life begins as a conception of being born again. And then Peter tells us what the journey should look like in some measure. In, one, in 2 Peter 1, I've read it before, it's one of my favourite passages. There's 2 Peter 1, the whole chapter. But it starts off in verse 5. 
For this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Faith is when you believe. It's faith that God gave you to believe in Him and receive Jesus. Now, people all get it, but whether they choose it is their choice. And so add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Now, I'm gonna keep reading, but before I do, I wanna paraphrase, explain a little bit of that passage. Faith is believing on Jesus. Virtue is moral behaviour. In other words, stop living what you already know is wrong. Knowledge, read the Bible and find out what more you need to know on how to live. Self-control, apply it to your life. Perseverance, keep at it because it's not easy. I mean, anyone here has been a Christian for more than a year and you would say, it's all been so easy living for Jesus. No, no, I don't think you'll find anybody. Wonderful, yes. Easy, no. Self-control, perseverance, godliness. Now, godliness I see as being gracious and merciful to yourself. And then it goes to brotherly kindness, which means be gracious and merciful to others. And then it says love. Love like God loves. Quick paraphrase, much more to it, but that's a starting point. So if you want to start, stop doing what you know, read the Bible to know what, you, what else you need to do, apply it to your life, keep at it, and be nice. Okay. For if these things are yours and abound, you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even blindness, forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. He forgot that he got saved by faith from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. It's not easy to make your call and election sure. And if you do these things, you'll never stumble. And so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly, listen, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Peter tells us this faith journey is a growing process, that it takes effort on our part. This journey is both natural and spiritual. And just like a child will grow naturally, there's also a need for necessary provisions and food, water, training and more. Similarly, this spiritual growth has requirements. Growth can be stunted, hindered, destroyed or caused to thrive depending on the input. And so we have to diligently add to our faith these right choices. And there's a whole world of decisions in this passage. Let's just say there's more growing that we all need to do. We, we could and we might dive deeper into that in the future. But I wanna look at Paul when he, he goes on and says in Ephesians 5, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness and truth. Finding out was acceptable to the Lord. That's why we read and study and, and what's good. And, and then it says, have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them. And he goes on and talks about the shamefulness of those things and the light. And, and he identifies this growth process as fruit, fruit of the Spirit. And that term is used to help us comprehend that our growth is like producing fruit in a tree. It's an outworking of being born of the Spirit. He's challenging believers to watch what goes in. And is it in goodness and righteousness and truth? He says, follow my example in Philippians 2. And whether I'm with you or not, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Listen, not to get salvation, but show the results of salvation. That's reading from Philippians 2, 12. I think it's the NIV. Work hard. Obeying God with deep reverence and, and fear or respect. Work hard, it's not gaining, it's, it's because I am. 
This life we live ought to be a byproduct. See, religion attempts to make people outwardly like Jesus. Like, not as in liking Him, but like Him. But real relationship with God, which is Christianity, is to become so one with Him, we are naturally like Him. Now, being like Jesus is an outworking of oneness, not an effort to be like Him by our natural works. Paul, Paul also says that what do we allow in our life will one day be exposed. What kind of fruit we bear will be seen. Now, many of you know that I, I have a lemon tree at home. Sam, I'm going to keep one of these for next service so I can use an example. You can take the other format. I brought them for you. Okay. Many of you know, my mum planted it. That's why it's growing. It's not because I planted it. So, so lemons. I've got this tree. But you know, if you get close, you can see a couple of little spots here. They're from fruit fly. They're from fruit fly. Little blighters they are. And you know, I, every, every week or two, I need to replenish the traps. Otherwise, uh, in time, I will start to see the fruit is so bitten that it is useless. See, what I allow to impact my life can make my fruit like this or make it shrivel up and brown inside and useless. These, these look okay at the moment, Sam. You'll be yours, mate, no drama. Um, uh, and and, and just, just so you don't think I'm wonderful, right behind that is my shed and behind that is an area of my yard that I often neglect. And I know the evidence of that neglect when my wife's cat comes in with cobbler's pegs all through it. The neglect causes someone else to suffer. Just a thought about our own life. As Christians... What are we doing about the fruit of our life? What are we doing about it? Because it's character. And, and you know, tomorrow is my day off, but tomorrow I will be addressing the cobbler's peg area behind the shed. I would much prefer to be golfing or fishing. Much prefer it. But you know what? Character, which isn't always easy, is about setting right priorities and then following through. So tomorrow the wheelie bin gets walked around from the front to the backyard. I will go behind the shed and I will pull out cobbler's pegs so that my yard, my, my wife's cat doesn't get knots in it that I have to hold him while she cuts them out and he loves me. <laughs> like, you know. And Jesus explains this in the parable of the sower and the seed. He, he guarding our heart. Out of our heart flow the issues of life. What are we allowing in? What's the input? What, are we gonna, what kind of fruit are we going to produce from being born of the Spirit? Well, Galatians says the fruit is love, joy, peace. goes on. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. We get the fruit by walking in the Spirit. By, by listening to the Holy Spirit speak to our spirit, most normally identified by our conscience. And the more you spend time with God, the fresher your conscience is, the more sensitive your spirit is to the Spirit of God, to what's right and what's wrong and how to live accordingly. So Jesus tells us these fruit, love, joy, peace. That word love is not what we always, it's not this emotional thing. 
That love goes, as we saw last week, far beyond natural love. The greatest love a man can have for a person can have is, is to give their life. Well, Jesus loved His enemies. Jesus said the best we can do is love our friends. He loved His enemies. He loved us when we were enemies with Him and He died on a cross to express that love. That kind of love only comes from spirit to spirit. You can't love the way Jesus commanded unless you are born of the Spirit of God. It's enabled and made possible by that new birth of the Spirit. And often we link love, joy and peace. They're so nice. And most of you could quote the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And then we start to forget. We'll do that next week. And often we think they're emotions. And I just sort of somewhat disagree. They're more than emotions. I actually think they're aspirations everyone would want in life. I mean, I want to live a life full of love, joy and peace, don't you? but they're fruit that go far above the basic emotions. Most would think love is having someone that loves us and having someone to love. A joy that is based on circumstances, conducive for joy, or a peace that's in an environment that's peaceful. But it's better than that. The love mentioned is God's love. That love powerfully expressed by Jesus on a cross, not lovey-dovey, not emotionally nice, but love so powerful that we're able to love like that to people in our world, enemies, loving people that hurt us, loving people that abuse us, praying for those that use us, a love that moves us far beyond the emotional, nice feelings of love, a love that's a foundation for our lives. And people have preached on the love of God, multiple messages, and I can't do it today because it would take a series in itself. But this love can only come if we're born again. It's a love so high, so deep, so wide, so lasting, it's beyond comprehension. A love that reaches a person in the depths of hell to the heights of heaven, from time past to time future, eternity. The joy is a joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's a joy that's a fruit of the Spirit that looks beyond the circumstances and in fact often, often opposes the circumstances what we normally feel. It's a joy regardless of the negative and hurtful situation and circumstances we might have and the pains of life, the experiences we face. It's a joy founded beyond this natural life that reaches into eternity as well. Paul writes, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. It writes, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's a joy that comes when we're facing battles that would try and rob us of joy. It's a joy that, that in the midst of grief and loss and pain, in the trials of life, we still have a joy. The peace is a peace that goes beyond understanding, surpasses understanding. It's a peace in the midst of the storms of life where nothing in the natural says anything will get better. And often things do get worse, but we still have a peace. It's a peace that's a foundation for our lives. A rock when the seas of life are battered by cyclones. A peace when we go through the valley of the shadow of death. An eternal peace that's sure from time to eternity. And as I close this morning, I want to re-emphasise that these fruit cannot be developed any other way but by being born again of the Spirit of God. The world has copies, they're temporary and they're just copies. 
They may bring similar emotions at times, but most times when the, when the battle's tough, they don't. They're never as lasting and never as beneficial, both in the now and the forever. And that's why Jesus said, you must be born again. To have the highest good in our lives, the highest potential we need to be born of the Spirit of God. And maybe today you, you, you don't believe in Jesus. Or maybe today as a Christian, you've been battling with the struggles of your faith. Can I just say, walking in the Spirit, get back to the basics, get back to the simplicity that God loves you beyond measure. That Jesus did die on a cross and the Father, and like Robert said, everything just ties together what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. You can choose. Being born again is not a forced issue, but it's a wonderful opportunity to begin to grow the fruit of the Spirit. And love, joy and peace is a great starting point, but we'll look at the other things next time. Maybe you've got to, you need to get right with God today. I'm going to ask you to pray with me, either to commit your life to Him or rededicate your life to faith in Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, right now, I come to You in Jesus' Name. I ask You to forgive me for trying to live without You. I receive Jesus into my life and ask You to forgive me of all my sin. Thank You that You do. And I receive a new beginning today. I believe by Your Word that as I've prayed today, believing in my heart, I am born again. Help me grow and help me bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Let me pray for you, church father, right now for this family of God. I pray that in the battles of life that we face, we would find the joy, the love and the peace. The peace that comes from God, the love that comes from God, the joy that comes from God. Those things we need in the battles of life, those things we need when we're feeling dry, feeling tired, feeling wrung out. That we might find the refreshing that comes from Your presence that love, joy and peace that will sustain us through the battles of life. Let people know and let them receive it right now in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen.